ready to build? Let's build. I'm excited to jump into the second part of the series today, and I want to, before I do that, I want to give you an, uh, kind of a heads up of where we're headed after the anniversary, which is next week. Uh, we'll be doing that at Weston, as I said a moment ago, but the following week, we're going to get into a new series called Evidence. Very, 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 very excited about that. There's so many of you that are going to have some things to say in the middle of all of that, because the evidence of the kingdom of God is in you and me. Amen? The evidence of his kingdom should be found in you and in me. Because you and I, we really are that temple of God. We are that place where he dwells. And I can tell you today, uh, it's going to be an exciting series that we're going to dive into. But today we're going to conclude this series, Build, Part 2. And if I were giving it a subtitle, which I guess I am, it would be The Other Guy. Everybody say The Other Guy. So last week, if you have not heard last week, I encourage you to go back on the podcast or on YouTube and watch it again, but I encourage you to go back and watch or listen again. Last week, we talked about how our, when we build, how do our ways get in God's ways, one, and then two, what happens when our ways align or become His ways? What does building look like when we get in His way, and what does building look like when we are part of his way. It's very different. We talked about that last week. Today, I want to talk about building and the other guy, the one to your right, to your left, to your front, to your rear, whoever they are, wherever they are. We're going to talk about them today. So I can tell you that if I believe that this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, if I believe that this body is the temple of the Lord. If I really believe that, I would think, Larry, that I would want to be very careful about how I adorned it. Would that be a good statement, a true statement? I would want to be very careful about not only what I put on the outside of it, but I would want to be very careful about what I put on the inside of it. I would consider everything that's there. I would consider it and I would ask myself, is this going to honor him? This is his temple. He's allowing me to have some authority over it right now. I get to choose what it looks like. But at the end of the day, he has a vision for it. And I want to make sure that my vision is aligning with his. Now, if I look at my temple and I have authority over my temple, and I know that I do, and I can accept that, that my decisions are going to affect what this temple looks like, acts like, sounds like, where it goes, what it does. If I can accept that, can I also accept that my decisions might also somehow, directly or indirectly, impact or affect the temple of the one to my right or to my left or my front or my rear? How might my decisions impact the adornment of their temple? Or how they choose to decorate or build the temple of God that they are. We're going to talk about that today. So this past week, uh, you know from last week, um, the man who led me to Christ, uh, Pastor Hank Davis, uh, back in 1985, when uh, he was very, uh, he was the genesis of my relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the one who led me to Christ. He preached the message, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up in Houston, Texas, uh, those many years ago, but he passed away uh, this last week. So Kim and I flew up on to Tennessee on uh, Monday and came back Tuesday, but we flew up on Monday. It was really a marathon trip and we got there and we participated. We were there with them during the service. Uh, Pastor Hank was very well known among, especially the church of God, assembly of God, uh, some of those uh, groups and, and very well known among them. And, and so they had some people there, Perry Stone, um, in fact, the, the service was actually in Perry Stone's uh, ministry building and what have you. Interesting thing, Perry Stone actually is, he gave us for Kaylee, our daughter Kaylee, he's, he and his wife loaned us uh, the first baby crib that we ever had, uh, we received from Perry and Pam Stone, and because um, we didn't have money to get one, so they loaned us theirs, and we were very thankful for that. But, um, but during this service, I just, Kim and I sat there. We saw a lot of people that we had not seen in years, decades. Years would be putting it lightly, decades. We saw people that um, I wouldn't have thought that I would recognize. And, and 
And it was interesting because at one point before the service started, well, first, Rhonda, Pastor Hank's wife, a very good friend of ours, and she, she had called us uh, before we went up there, and she said, I have a seat reserved for you guys right behind us. And, and, but it was packed. This place was, I don't know how many people were there, but it was packed. There were a lot of people. And we get there, and it was kind of humiliating because we're walking the rows trying to look. We saw reserved seating signs, and, and there's people looking at us, and we're in the very front walking across trying to find, very inconspicuously trying to look over here to see where the seat name was. <laughs> it was very, because nobody showed us, but it was, it, it was beautiful. It was amazing, and we were thankful. But we found our seat, and when I sat down, been there maybe 10 minutes, and I see this young lady come running down the aisle towards Kim and I, literally, she's coming down the aisle just as fast as she can, and she comes down, and she's going like this, with her eyes wide open, and her hands wide open, and we knew she knew us, and <laughs> her, it, it, at least it, was, it seemed that way, and, um, but for a second, I didn't recognize her, and, but when she got right up on us, I immediately recognized her as Valerie Barroso. Now, to you, that doesn't mean a lot, but to me, it did, because the light in her eyes and the joy in her heart as she hugged us and she said, I can't, she just, both of us, she just grabbed us and thanked us and said, you won't believe what I've done and how your lives have impacted my life and how your ministry has touched my life, and, and she's just hugging us, and she was one of my first teenagers in my first youth group in 1990. And today she's a children's pastor somewhere up in Ohio or somewhere. And she's a children's pastor up there. And she said, I just want to thank you for the ministry all those years ago. And it caused me to press in. And she just hugged on Kim and I and, and just loved on us. And, and then she went away. And, and we sat there and I was thinking about her. And then I began to think about another young man that is in ministry, pastors a church over in Tampa, Clearwater area. Uh, today, Ryan Kramer, who was, who was a youth minister, I mean, who was a teenager in my youth group way back then. Now, keep in mind, not all of the kids that I was a youth pastor over became preachers. Some of them are in jail, I'm pretty certain. And, um, but, uh, but these two, Ryan is now a pastor of a very nice church over in, over in Tampa, Clearwater area. And I think about these, <laughs> I'm glad you found humor in that. The, um, I feel like a failure, and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But they were amazing, and I think about these moments. And then as the service started, it was really cool. They played the clip when he was here preaching uh, about a year ago. They played that clip where we were talking, sharing about him being the genesis of our faith, and then also the clip of him talking about the eagle and sharing about that. And then Kim made the observation. She said, I think it's interesting that when he was talking about that message, and I'm, and I'm getting somewhere with this, so just, just let me plow through this moment of sentimentality. And um, he was talking about the eagle, and as he was talking about that, he s spoke directly about how that eagle would beat its beak against the rock uh, to shed that skin, and then before it would pass, you know, it, 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 the relationship to the rock was very significant. And the last place he ministered, we were the last place he ministered. And he came in here, and it was the rock. And Kim made that observation, and it was profound, and it was very interesting. But as we sat there and we listened, and as each one stood up and began to speak, you couldn't help but be moved by the impact that this man and this man's ministry had on so many lives literally around the world. In my, when I got saved in 1985, Pastor Hank Davis, then he was evangelist Hank Davis, was probably one of the most prominent evangelists within the Church of God and the Assembly of God denominations. And he was, he was different in his approach to things. In fact, one person stood up and was sharing about, it was a, uh, what was that gentleman's name, babe, that was sharing about... Um, the guy that is the founder, he's the owner of Daystar Television, Marcus Lamb, was standing up there and he was sharing about his relationship with uh, Pastor Hank. And he said in that, he said, you know, he said it was uh, when I would watch him do things, it would always catch me off guard because you just didn't expect some of the things that he would do to be coming from a Christian person. And he said, for example... 
He said, I would go with Hank and I would hear him tell stories about how no matter where we went, if there was a homeless person, he was going to go buy them groceries right then and go take them to him. And I know that's true. I'd seen him do that. And he would take stuff to them. He would just go pick it up, but he wouldn't just buy groceries. Now this I'd never seen, but it sounds just like him. But he said, there was this one particular person that could not quit smoking. So Hank would go buy him groceries and then buy him a pack of cigarettes and put it in there with it. And I thought to myself, this, this man's talking. He said, I thought, now why would he do that? He's a Christian. Why would he buy this man a pack of cigarettes with his ham? And he would take that to him. And it began to impact this man and change this man till this man could see what truth was. It had... And then another man, he would leave cigarettes because the man did not want to, he didn't want to come up to his house, so he would leave cigarettes for this man in his mailbox. I'm not encouraging anybody to go buy people cigarettes today. Please don't get that out of this message. I'm trying to bring something to your attention here or make a point. But this is the way he was. And then I told you the story last week when, when he came and invited me to be his youth pastor when he was going to start the church in Cleveland, Tennessee. And he came to Houston and he was preaching a revival and he invited me to dinner, he and his wife. And we went to dinner. We're walking down the hallway of the mall. And as we're walking down the hallway of the mall, he turns to this little girl that's sucking on an ice cream cone behind us, walking down there. And he said, can I have a taste? And I thought, dude, that's weird. First of all, she'd been slobbering all over that thing. I know, everybody's kind of, ooh. And, and she looked at him for a second, and she hands it to him, and he takes a lick off this little, little girl's ice cream and then hands it back. First of all, as a parent, I would have said, throw it in the trash. <laughs> but he takes a lick off her ice cream, hands it back to her, and she keeps, but this was him. But this is how that man changed lives. He didn't change, and when I moved there to be with him, to be a youth pastor there, and I got there, and I remember him talking about dancing and praise and worship and in the music. And you've, some of you heard me tell this before, but I was not a dancer. And I didn't like the idea that somehow we were going to show some kind of excitement in the worship of God. Because from where I came from, you don't get excited about God. You just take it all in and then go home. And he said, now listen, everybody's going to be dancing. When the music starts, they're going to dance. These, the, the people in our church, man, they get excited about the kingdom. And I was like, well, I'm not dancing. He said, oh, we'll see. <laughs> so I was sitting like in this section where my wife is. I'm sitting on the end. We weren't married at the time. And I'm sitting on the end. Of, in fact, we didn't know each other yet. And we, I'm sitting on the end of that row. And music starts. And everybody jumps up and starts doing the Jehovah Jireh dance. You know, where you kick the one leg and then you kick the other leg and, and what have you. And they're all doing the Jehovah Jireh dance. And I'm just kind of looking around. <laughs> Dear God, what have I gotten into? Much like some of you probably when you first came here. And, and I began to watch them and it took no time before I found myself. I was entering in. And I found that suddenly I, I, a revelation comes to me. I can love God and be excited about it too. I can actually love God and enjoy it. I was built that day. He added, he adorned this temple. He adorned me with a revelation that this temple of God could actually be a joyful place. The lights could come on. It didn't have to be a dark place. It could be well lit, full of joy, full of excitement, full of vision, and full of opportunity. So his heart and soul was to build people. Today, I want to talk to you for just a few moments about that very thing. I want to talk to us, I'm including me in this, about building the other guy. Say it with me, build, build. the other guy. Now, I want you to look to the person to your right or to your left, anybody, wherever they're at, and I want you to point at them and say, you're the other guy, and I'm going to help you build. No, no, tell them, tell them. Now, I want you to look at somebody, I want, whoever they are, find somebody and just look at them, even if you have to turn a couple times, say, I'm going to help build your temple. 
All right, now you're committed. You are either lying about it or you will do it. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to start with building with a vision. Hebrews chapter 3, I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version today, and it starts like this. It says, but exhort or build up one another every day as long as it is called today. In other words, pay attention to the day you're in. Don't put off, what's that old song? Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. I don't know the rest of it. That's too high. Exhort, build up one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let me read that again. But exhort or build up one another every day while it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What does that mean? What does it mean to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It means to lose any sense of what is right or what is wrong, what is righteous or what is unrighteous. It means that someone is coming to this place because they, no one has been efficient at building them up. They have been left to their own means. They've been left to their own ways. And their heart has grown hardened with the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, no one was helping me to navigate these seas that I'm on. So I don't know whether what I'm doing is good or bad, right or wrong, helpful or not helpful. And they had come to that place, he said, because no one helped build them while it is called today. I just wonder what it would look like. For all of us, and I know that we do this, I'm not in any way insinuating that you do not. But what would it look like if all of us walked out of this building today? Let's just do a hypothetical. How effective do you believe this word that Holy Spirit is using me to preach today? How effective do you believe that it would be if all of us walked out of this building today and never uttered another word of what he released today? Not that we do that, because we don't. All of us go out of here every Sunday, and we go tell people. We talk about what Holy Spirit said, right? Yeah? Let me, let me do it again. Don't, don't, don't. Just be honest. Don't raise your hand or anything. All of us, every Sunday, when Holy Spirit releases a word to us, even like last week, the conclusion of that word, you went out of here, and you, all you could do, you didn't talk about the football game, but you were sharing with somebody, let me tell you what Holy Spirit said to me today. And you took that out, and you built somebody up with what you were adorned with. You did that, right? Or you didn't do that, right? Or we walked out. What would it be like? If when we came together and Holy Spirit began to move and he, he began to show us things and our interpretation of all that he's doing, even though God doesn't change, our interpretation of what he's doing does change. We understand it better. We, we mature. We grow up. So we begin to, things make sense more later. But as they begin to make sense in us, what happens if we walk out of the building wherever our lights were turned on and we walked out of the building and we immediately turned them off and we didn't expose that light to anyone else, what would the earth look like? Come on, what would it look like? Yeah, because something, he's doing something in us, but I go out there and I'm not releasing that. I'm telling you, the Holy, Holy Spirit is calling you and me. Hebrews right here encourages you and me. It encourages us. Go out. I want you to build one another up while it is called today. Don't kick this can down the road. Don't say, you know what? I'm not going to do that today. I know that I'm going to be going to lunch with such and such a person. I'm going to tell you the best thing. Let me help you out with this today. Let me help you out with this. Best thing you can do when you walk out of here today. Whatever you hear today, agree with it or disagree with it. Go out of here and discuss it with somebody. Whether you agree or disagree. You can say, I don't believe a word that preacher said today. Go out there. Don't be ugly about me. Just say, you know, he said some things that just don't align with me. That's okay. That's good. At least talk about it. 
But if you do agree, talk about it louder. Go out there when you go into lunch with somebody, even if they've heard the same message, message, sit at the table over your roast and mashed potatoes or wherever it is you're going, sit at that table, and while you're sitting there and you're conversing with one another, talk about what did you hear today? And build and, and begin to look at that person and say, you know what, I have a responsibility. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to add something. Your, your temple was adorned today. Lights were turned on. But you know what? You might have a closet in there where the light wasn't on. I'm going to help light that up too. I want to tell you what I heard. I love what you heard. Man, that's affecting me. I didn't get that. Somehow I miss it. I was taking notes when he said that. But man, that is powerful. Let me tell you too what I heard. What happens when we begin to build one another up? What does building others up have to do with helping someone not have a hardened heart. Building, I'm going to say it a little differently than I have it in here. It is impossible to build without vision. Can't happen. Can't happen. When we started the Rock of Central Florida 22 years ago, and we started with three people at the Homewood Suites Hotel in Lake Mary. And when we started the, the Roth, my wife and I, we had three visitors that came in locally outside of our family. And when we began, I didn't know what it was going to look like later, but I knew it was going to look different than what it looked like that day. Because when we were driving down that turnpike that day that it was raining so hard and the traffic was all backed up and I had to go potty so bad I couldn't stand it and my son was screaming and crying in the back seat, all of those things were going on. We had vision. Holy Spirit pricked something in our heart and let us see what he wanted to use us to do for his glory, not ours, for his glory. And then when we went out of the Homewood Suites Hotel, long story short, and we got into the storefront over there on Lake Mary, I mean on 1792, and we moved into that storefront, and we began to grow there, and then when this land came available, and you know the story, I'm just going to tell this really quickly, this part of it really quickly, we drove by this land twice, it was nothing but trees, there was nothing here then, that was a two-lane road, and those of you that remember a few years ago, it was very different, especially 15, 16 years ago, 20 years ago, it was very different, there was nothing out here, nothing was out here. And we drove by this land twice, and it did not have a for sale sign on it. But both times we drove by it, I would say to my wife, said to her two, twice, two different years that we drove by here going out to Mount Dora for, for a reason. And I said to her, I said, that would be a great place to build the Rock of Central Florida. And we had maybe 30 people. I don't know how many people at the time. And we drove by. The second year we came by, I said that would be a great place to build the Rock Central Florida. The next morning, that was, that was a Friday night, Saturday morning, I got up. I said, babe, let's put the kids in the van. We had one of those old Chevy or Dodge caravans. And we, I said, let's put the kids in the van and let's drive over there to that property. And we drive over to the property and there was somebody out here putting up a for sale sign. And I called, the, I called that number and I said to the man, I said, sir, I said, um, how much is the property you're selling? He said, 1.1 million. 11 acres. He said 1.1 million. Without even skipping a beat. Didn't even consider it. Didn't even think about it. It was just the Holy Spirit. I said, I'll give you 300,000. We had <laughs> not even a thousand. We had nothing. I said, I'll give you 300,000. He said, no, not going to take 300,000. I'll take 1.1 million. When you get 1.1 million, you call me back. I hung up the phone, get off the phone with him. Did not give up on the vision. Track with me. You do not build without vision. See, if there was no vision attached to the building, we would not be sitting in this place today. I get off the phone and I called the man that I looked to, my spiritual father, and I said, listen, this is what happened and, and this is what he said, but I know that's the right place. He said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to call that man back, find out where he lives. I want you to go meet him and I want you to tell him your story. Now, my story's not that interesting, but he wanted me to tell him my story. So I called that man back, and his name was Noah DeFelco. I said, Mr. DeFelco, this is Steve Parker. He said, you got 1.1 million? No, sir. 
can I just meet with you for just for a few minutes? He said, I live in Ocala. If you drive here, I'll sit down and I'll give you five minutes. I drive to Ocala. I get out there. I knock on the door. He opens the door. He's got a banana in his hand. We walk over to his kitchen table. We sit at his, got a huge ranch. We sit at his table and we're just chatting. He said, what are you here for? And I said, I know you told me 1.1 million. I told you 300,000. You're firm. I'm firm. But I'm going to do, I'm being obedient to what I was told to do. My spiritual father told me to come here and share with you my life story. He said, you got five minutes. So I thought, it's a short life. (laughs) (laughs) So I just started telling him. I don't even remember now where I started, and I don't know where I left off. I just remember that his tears began to flow down his eyes, his cheeks. He said to me, he said, because he had said to me here before I drove over there, he said, I don't believe in that God stuff, but I believe in money. And as I shared that story with him, tears began to flow down his cheek, and he wrote something on a napkin. At the moment, I didn't know what he was writing. And he was writing something on a napkin, and he slides that napkin across that little kitchen table over to me, and I, well, I wish I'd have saved that napkin, but I picked that napkin up, and I looked at it, and he said, and there was two figures there, the amount that he would require, if I could come up with that amount within seven days, he would sell me the land for $300,000. That was an astronomical amount of money to me. I don't remember today. I think it was 40000 I think is what we had to have, or 30000 I can't remember now. But it was a lot of money. 30? And um, it was a lot of money. And I thought, I don't have that personally. The church barely has a bank account. And it would have been a miracle. And I said, in seven days, I'm going to put that check in your hand sitting at his table, not having any idea how we were going to do that. And I went back. That was on a, that was actually on a Monday. Then I went to, we came to church on Sunday morning. Some of you were here that morning, all 28 of us or however many were there that day. And I said to the congregation, I said, I'm going to share, the, I'm going to share with you this story. There's 11 acres of land. And we, I printed it up and we had it on a little, the old overhead projector. Here's 11 acres of land. And I know this is where we're going to build. We have vision for this. And this is what we're going to do with that building when we build it. This is how we're going to impact the community. This is how we're going to affect Central Florida. These are the things we're going to do. And I know this is word and spirit. And I know we're not a big group. But I also know we're a people of faith. And I've never asked anyone to do this. I've never asked, never asked for anything like this since. But I said, I'm going to receive an offering today. There's no pressure, no manipulation, no witchcraft at all. If it's in your heart to give, I want you to give towards this offering. And this is what it is. And we received the money for the down payment on that Sunday. It was a miracle, 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 miracle. And it wasn't just a miracle to me and to you that were here. It was a miracle to Noah DeFalco. And when I took that check and I wrote that check to Noah DeFalco and I put it in his hand, he could not even, he thought for sure he was going to get $1.1 million. We ended up writing him a tax credit, but he never got $1.1 million. We wrote him a a contribution record over five years, breaking it up. But we got this land for what Holy Spirit said. And I'm going to tell you today, what does building up others have to do with keeping people from growing hard? you got to build with vision. So when I look at the person to the right of me, (laughs) and I look at the person to the left of me, and I see those people that are seated across the table from me, I'm going to build with vision. I'm not going to try to just adorn their house the way that I want it adorned. I'm going to find out what does their house need. Is there anything lacking in them? Are they lacking hope? Let me be hope to them today. Are they lacking peace? Let me bring peace to them today. Are they lacking? What are they lacking? How can I build them up? Because when I build others up, the kingdom of God is glorified. Do you hear me today? If we want to build, we have to build with vision. We know that if there is no vision, whatever you build, it will come to naught. You can't do it. It will not sustain itself. But when we build with vision, when we consider what Holy Spirit puts in our hearts, if, he, if He's put it in our heart, yeah. 
Daniel, if he's put it in your heart, if he's spoken it into your heart, and he's given you, as Kaylee was talking about this morning, what can I trade? He's given you something to trade. Find out with those people around you. How can I trade into them? Not for my glory. Not because I have a selfish motive. But how can I trade into them for the glory of God? What is in me that I can bring to them, that I can cause them to see the Father from a different perspective? As I said, there are people running down the sidewalks today, riding their bikes, walking their dogs. Somehow, they're missing the trade. Is it you or is it me? Is it us? Any of us? Who's walking down the street in your neighborhood today that you can help build? Now, you might add something to who they are. Today, you might adorn them with a photo, a picture, a revelation, an understanding, and not see any immediate results. But it will come. Because when we, Juju, when we build with vision, we don't go in there because we have a good idea. We build with vision because Holy Spirit has put something in us that is deep. And if I can just get someone to see this, it would change their life. As I sat and I listened to Pastor Hank Davis, or Evangelist Hank Davis, preach that message, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? I don't remember the moment that it got a hold of this building. I don't remember the exact moment, but I do remember there was a moment where all of a sudden something in me aligned, connected with what he was saying and what he was speaking and everything in me, though I didn't know what it meant. Somehow in me, I've got to know this person you're talking about. How can I know him? Building. When we built this building, building is the evidence of vision. And when we bought this land from Noah DeFalco in 2001, we did not build the building until 2007. But building is the evidence of vision. Because when we bought the land, all of us, we could see what it could be. We could see the school. We could see the preschool. We could see how we could minister to the needs of this community. How we could affect and impact every single life. And I'm going to tell you the reason that there are so many people, and this is the key here, and I'm going to move to the next point I want to make today. But there are people today that have grown hard, hardened in their heart because the builders have stopped carrying their tools. No one's there to say to them, you can have hope. Or even if we see that they are in need of hope, somehow we count ourselves out. I, mm, I'm so supposed to be here. Or I'm supposed to be going over there. Or I need to do this. Is anybody hearing me this morning? What about when we see things differently? Romans 14, go, with, go there with me. Romans 14, beginning with verse 14, says this. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But what you eat, do not destroy by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual up. Building. I want you to ask yourself this morning, how do my choices impact the building or the growth of those around me? I am certain that most of us would say in this room, if I were to ask how many of you would consider yourself unselfish, I am certain that most would say I am unselfish, yet the truth is that we all have selfish moments. 
all of us. Every single person, we would like to believe that we are 100% unselfish. It's not true. We all have selfish moments, some more than others, but we all have them. We like to eat whatever we want to eat when we want to eat it. We want to go wherever we want to go whenever we want to go. We don't ask if someone's going to be offended by it. We're just going to do it because we want to do it. You know, when I read this scripture in Romans, and as Paul is speaking, he's encouraging them, and he's trying to help them understand, listen, there are things that you might be doing, and I'm trying to paraphrase this in just a small little sentence here, but there are things you might be doing that are not helping build people up, because at the end of the day, let me back up here, when I get up in the morning, when you get up in the morning, my goal should be, how am I going to glorify God? Remember last week I said, when you get up every morning, we don't ask God, help me be a better person today, help me do this today. All we need to do is say to the Father, say, how can I glorify you today? And when he gives us the answer to that, all the other questions will be answered. How can I glorify you today? But Paul said, nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. And then he goes on and he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He said, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. What about when we see things differently? This one comes to the table and they'll eat that. This one comes to the table, they won't eat that. How do we do this and build one another up without lying to one another? I'm going to use a personal example. I've shared this with you before. I'll share it with you again. I hope you're not offended by it. I don't mean to offend by it, but I'm going to share this with you. From time to time, my wife and I enjoy a glass of wine. We, we like wine. That's what we, we, we like, a glass of wine. I know there's people in this room that do not. And I know there's people on the, uh, watching online right now that do not. They don't like, in fact, that I might have a glass of wine every now and then. You know what I do? I'm never going to lie about it. I'm never going to say to somebody, if they ask me, do you, when I went to the doctor the other day, I walked in there and he said, do you ever drink alcohol? I said, occasionally I have a glass of white wine. Occasionally. He said, how often? I said, occasionally. He said, how often? I said, occasionally. <laughs> I don't know. Not often. Occasionally. But when I have a glass of wine and I know that I have friends that are offended by that, that's where they are. I'm not knocking them because that's where they are. I want to build them up. I'm not trying to tear them down. Last thing I want them to do is come into my house and see a glass of white wine in my refrigerator and, and begin to immediately begin, just, just tear themselves down or tear me down. So when they come, we'll take that glass of white wine and we'll move it. We'll put it some, if we know they're coming, we'll put it somewhere. If we know they're offended by it, not because we're ashamed of it. Not, we're not lying about it. I want to build. I don't want to tear down. I don't want to hurt their faith. If they ask me, and they have, do you believe in drinking wine? I'm never going to say no and then do it. I'm honest. I'm going to say, I do. I do have a glass of wine occasionally. But I move that out of the way. If I know you're going to be here, we're not going to have that present because I don't want you to be offended by that. I don't want to put you in a bad situation. We think differently about it. But it does not hinder my ability to be able to build you up, nor yours building me up. Because... The kingdom of God is not about what we eat or what we drink. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do I demonstrate my relationship with him? How do I demonstrate how I walk this relationship out? I was helping my son move yesterday, and, and when I went downstairs, there was um, some movers that were out there unloading somebody else's uh, truck uh, that was moving in. And when I walked out it, with me and AJ were the first ones, and we walked out the door, and I heard this little dude from Jamaica, and he was using every word in his vocabulary, that, and all of them started with F, and he was just using them and throwing them around and, and just mad. He was just a mad dude. He was mad about something. And me and AJ walked out there, and of course, AJ and I, we just went about our business, and we're going to get the other stuff out of the truck, and we're just trying to ignore this guy, and, and we're not paying any attention, and, and uh, trying not to, and he's just... Just screaming at some other guy and all the wrong things. And we're walking into the building, and one of the other little dudes that was sitting there on the rail beside him that he was fussing with, 
he saw the tattoo on my arm. And he saw this tattoo and this one right here. And he said, is that, thank you. He said, is that Hebrew? I said, it is. And I said, do you know what it is? He said, yes. And he told me what it was. And I said, he said, are you Jewish? And I said, no. I said, are you Jewish? And he said, yep. And he said, and I have this. And it was something written in Hebrew. What was it, AJ, that it said? Do you remember? Was and he told me what it said. He had something written on the, underneath of his arm. And we went in the building and then came back out. I took some stuff upstairs and then I came back out. It was a short conversation. We came back out and I came out with Sam and, and we walked back out there. And then the guy, and I don't remember how it started, but he just, he was just going off and, and uh, because of the Jewish thing. And he said to the, this Jamaican guy, says to the other fellow, the Jewish guy, he said to him, he said, are you religious? <laughs> now I'm getting stuff out of the trailer. And he's about where Archie's at. And I'm getting stuff and moving stuff around. And he, said, are, he says to the other guy, he said, are you religious? And the guy gets off the fence just embarrassed. And he gets off there and he says, no, man, I, I'm, I'm not religious. And, and he said, you know what religion is? Religion is all about conquering and dividing. And it's bad, you know, and he just goes off on religion and everything. And I listened to him for about 30 seconds. And I just said very kindly. I said, I was. I, I thought, I, Sam, was I not kind? <laughs> I thought I was kind. I reacted not how I was feeling. I was trying to react well. I felt like I did. But I said to him, I said, um, I said, you just made a bold statement. And you are apparently a pretty bold guy, but you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. It's very kind. Because it's not what I was thinking. And he said, are you religious? And I said, it depends on how you look at it. I said, I'm not religious. Your interpretation of religion is what you've seen. But true religion... In its pure, scripture says, in its pure and undefiled form is simply having relationship with God. Getting up every day wanting to honor the Father. The religion you're talking about is messed up. And that's all you've seen. But I said, I want to encourage you to do this. I want you to consider true religion. I want you to consider what, it's really, what it really is. If you were to put out of your mind what you think religion is and consider what I'm telling you today, that it's pure and undefiled religion is honoring God. How can you do that? And then I got in the truck and left. I thought it was very nice. Kind and friendly aren't the same thing. You were kind, but he wasn't friendly, so you weren't. Yeah, it was all his fault. <laughs> but the point being... My aim was because that guy could have been my woman at the well. Now, no doubt when Christ met the woman at the well, there's no doubt many thoughts in his mind that he might have wanted to say. Listen, we can make this conversation really short if I just tell you like it is. Or let's drag this thing out until I can lead you to a place where you have understanding. I want to build you up, not tear you down. And that really was my heart, however it came out, was not to push the guy away, but was to cause him to consider what true religion, what is it to really honor the Father? I want to build. And we're given opportunities to do that, even if we see things differently. My vision of religion, from his perspective, I don't like religion either. But from the perspective of the kingdom of God... Religion in its pure, undefiled form is to honor the Father. That religion, I want to be the most religious of them all. Kim and I, let me move along. Let me just say this. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a question. How do your choices impact the building 
or the growth of those people around you? What are you doing today that impacts positively or negatively the growth of people all around you? You know, Kim and I have had the privilege and the, the blessing. Uh, we have a friend of ours that was a vice president of Walmart, he and his wife, and they have been very kind to us over the years, and they have taken us on trips literally all around the world. And there's a few places that we went that have some customs that are very differently different than ours. And I remember when we would go into these places, uh, some of it we were on a cruise ship, and then some of it uh, we were with a, a tour, and they would give you these little handouts, and it will tell you things that you, you're not allowed to do there. In Singapore, you couldn't spit in public. Um, there were things like that, but I just want to read a few of those to you, and then I want to make a point with us. In Turkey, when we were in Turkey, you could not, if you shook someone's hand, you could not do it firmly. You did it very lightly. You were instructed if you shake their hand, you don't grasp it. You just barely touch it and you shake their hand. If you shake their hand and you do it firmly, it's considered very rude and it is aggressive. Uh, that's in Turkey. So we were encouraged to do that. In Indonesia, when we were there, we were instructed not to touch anyone with our left hand because if you touch someone with your left hand, it's unclean because they do their business with their left hand so that is so you are not allowed you don't touch anybody you don't touch product you don't go grocery shopping you don't get anything your left hand is used for one thing and one thing only and I'll let you figure that out so you don't touch anything with your left hand in Croatia they gave us a little card I used to have this one and I don't know what I did with it but when we were in Croatia we went there and actually did some cliff diving it was pretty cool and you, you could never say no. We did, this did not happen to us, but we were prepared. If someone offered you any food or drink in Croatia, you, you cannot say no. Even if you don't like it. If they offer you anything to eat or drink, you, you say you just accept it. Now, these are different than our customs, but I'm going to tell you what. When we were in these places, in Singapore, I didn't spit, you know, because I always spit. No, I, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't spit, but I, I wouldn't have. If I, did, if I was a spitter, I wouldn't have spit. If I were a spitter, I wouldn't have spit. In Turkey, it didn't bother me that they like handshakes a certain way. In Croatia, it wouldn't have bothered me that they wanted me to eat whatever, even if I wouldn't have liked it, because to honor them, I don't want to come in there and tear anything down. I don't want to create a situation where suddenly um, they see no value in, in my moral compass. I want to come in there and I want to build. I want to add to who they are. That's my heart. That's the heart of the kingdom. That's the heart of the Father, is for you and I to add to what other people are. So if I had been confronted with any of these things, and I don't remember if we shook anybody's hand, and I don't remember ever touching anything with my left hand, but I can tell you that it was important to us that when we went in there to honor whatever those characteristics were or those uh, etiquette moments were that were in those particular countries. It didn't, I didn't go in there and say, I'm going to touch the first thing I can with my left hand. Or when I shake that guy's hand, I'm going to shake it. The first person that asked me to drink this, I'm going to say, no way. It wasn't our heart. Our heart there and in the kingdom is to build. Go with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Let me wrap this up. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version, and I hope this will all make sense. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, but Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had respect or regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry, and he looked annoyed and hostile. And the Lord said to Cain, Cain, why are you so angry? And why do you look annoyed? If you do well, believing in me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door, and its desire is for you to overpower you, but Cain... You must master it. I'm going to ask you this. Like Abel, are you building with your finest, with your first? Or like Cain, building with your easiest? You know this because I've preached on it before. You might have known it before I preached on it, but you certainly know because I did. But the reason the father received Abel's and he did not receive Cain is because when Abel brought, just like Genesis says here, when Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, he didn't just pick out a sheep. He brought the first and the best. 
He recognized, this is my God, and I am going to bring him the very best that I have. I realize the very best is the most valuable. I realize the very best, it's going to cost me more to care for it. But I'm going to bring him my first and my best. But what Cain did, see, because Abel was a shepherd, he was a man of the field, Cain was a farmer. So when Cain came, and he brought him what was in his field, he just brought him what he had. I'm just going to take this. It's easy. It's the closest thing to me. I'm going to get it out of row one and slot one. It's still an offering. It's still something. So I'm just going to bring it to the Father because he asked for an offering, so I'm just going to bring this to him. But the problem with that is that God has never built anything without vision. When Yahweh created the earth, when he breathed breath, his pneuma breath into your body, into the dirt that you were formed of, he did that with vision. He had something in mind that he wanted you to be. And when we begin to grow in him, he's not looking for you nor I, not looking for us to bring to him simply what is the easiest and to find the easiest path and the one that I can do the least in. But he's looking for ways, as Kaylee said this morning, how can I trade into this one? And how can I trade my talents and my gifts into that one? How can I breathe hope and life into that one? How can I build up that one? How can I grow that one so that the kingdom of God is is manifest in the earth? He said, Cain, if you do well, and you recognize that I've given you something to work with, and I want you to work with it well. I don't want you to act like it's of no importance. I've given you the field to sow into. Sow your very best. If it's better to walk a mile and plant the seed in the fertile soil on the other side of the mountain, even if you have to walk that distance, sow it in the best I've given you. Don't just say, I'm not going to the mountain because it's going to take me a day to get there and I see clouds over there, so I'm just going to cast my seed out here on this ground all around me. It'll produce something. And he said, no. Cain, your brother brought to me the very first. He had to go through that flock. And he had to say, no, you're not the one. Nope, you're not the one. Oh, there's a spot there. You're not the one. And he went to another one. He said, oh, you don't have enough girth. You don't have enough fur or wool. You don't have enough whatever. No, you're not the one. You're not the one. I'm going to find the one, though. I know it's taking me time. I know that I'm not out at the ball game. I know that I'm not out over here doing this. I know that I'm not over there doing that. I know I'm not whatever. My agenda is. But this is important to the Father, so I'm going to make it important to me. And I want to be built up, and I want to build up. And I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to find it. I'm going to take my time. And there he is. It's taken me a while, but I found it. Now I'm going to have to march down there. I'm going to have to go through all that thicket to get to that one. That's the one. But I'm going to do it. It's not the easiest way, and it's not the quickest way. It's not the easiest path, but I'm going. And I'm going to get that one. Why? Because he's worth it. The Father is worth it. He breathed his pneuma breath into me. And if he took the time to say, I have significant importance for you. I have a purpose for you. If he took the time to do that, I'm going to give him the very best. And I went and I got it. Abel went and he got it. And he brought it to the Father. And then Cain did what we know he did. And he took Abel's life. But today when we look back on that story, the difference between the two is that one man brought his first and his best. And all these centuries later, millennia, I've been built up today simply by reading Genesis. Because I'm reminded today by the tenaciousness and the willingness of an able to go and find the one 
that best represented his very best because he knew one day someone is going to read this story and someone is going to be built up and someone's temple is going to be adorned a little bit brighter that day. Today, it was me. He said to Cain, the father said to Cain, he said, the enemy is at your door every day encouraging you to be selfish with your time, your service, and your talents, and you must master him. Let me say to you today, the enemy is at your door every day encouraging you to be selfish with your time, your service, your gifts, your talents, your moments. The enemy is at your door. Master him. So when I build up others, why? For this reason, Jacob. You know why I want to build up others? Because I want to say to a Jacob Hyde, if you walk in that way, while it might be good for a moment, the end is destruction. In the kingdom, we have long field, whatever you call it, what is it, far field vision. What does that mean? I can see the end from the beginning. If the choice you're making today isn't building up the people around you, if the decisions you are making up today, listen, you need to repent for your own things in your own life, if there's selfishness there. But our goal today, my message today, is to build up others for the glory of God. And when I look down the road, if I see these, defi- these decisions, these moments, these things I'm participating in are negatively impacting, other people, and I see destruction down the road, wouldn't it be wise to change my path today? Wouldn't it be wise if I changed my path today, Shonda? Wouldn't it be wise, Chris, if I changed, altered the course today and said, Holy Spirit, help me today? I want to be responsible for making my wife a better woman in the same way that she is responsible for making me a better man. I want to be responsible for making you, Larry Reichert, a better man in the same way I'm trusting you to make me a better man. And I can say that as I go around this room. I watch Donna Scott worship every Sunday. Now, this woman is a worshiper. And I watch Donna Scott. You don't have to watch Donna Scott. You can hear Donna Scott. And when I hear Donna worshiping and I hear her over here and she's got her hands up and she's praising and she's worshiping, I'm built up. I'm built up. It's time to build. And building isn't just about me or I. Building is about you and you and you and him and her and they. Building is about those that are around us. I'm going to ask you one more time and then I'm going to close. When you walk out of this place today, you can make two choices. You can look for a way to build other people up, or you can take the easy way. Grab the first thing that's easy and say, I'm not going to do it. You can do it this way. You could walk out the door and say, well, you know, he said that we need to build somebody up. So you just grab the first person out the door because it's easy. And you say, I just want to encourage you today. And you could blow that off and you could count that as you're building up. Or you can wait till Holy Spirit gives you the minute and the moment. And you take it seriously. You take responsibility and you say, Father, you put me here on purpose. You put me in this position at this time, at this moment, on purpose, and I'm going to take advantage of it. And I'm going to introduce the kingdom. Not because I'm pounding somebody over the head with a Bible, not because I'm giving them four or five scriptures, but because I'm being a light. I'm letting them see the light of Christ in me. I'm going to let them see the anointing of Christ in my life. Do you hear me today? You have opportunity to build today. Build well. Stand with me if you would, please. Father, today I lift my voice over the people of this house. I lift my voice over the people watching online. I'm thankful for the anointing of Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that you will help us to see, help us to draw, help us to be changed by what you release to us. You are a good and faithful God, and in every way you always honor your word. Honor your word in the lives of every man and woman and child in this place today. Under the sound of my voice, honor everyone. Father, my heart and my soul, my prayer today, my passion, 
is to glorify you and all the earth, that you, I want every single person to know that you are God and there is not another. There is not another. I want people when they see me, I want people when they see the people of this house, I want them to see Christ. I want them to see your passion and be motivated by that same anointing that motivates us to press in and to dig deep. We love you, Father. And we bless you today. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice, Father, that has never known you, or maybe they have, and they've walked away, I'm not going to walk out of this place today without giving them opportunity to repent. Touch every heart today. Reach deep into every heart today. Reframe every mind that has cast you off. Reframe every mind that has stopped believing. Reframe every mind that has come up with different ways and different reasons why they should not honor you. Reframe those minds by Holy Spirit today. Father, forgive each one. May your kingdom today be ever increasing. And we draw out of you. Help us to build, build, build by your blueprint. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.